Welcome back to Terror Takeover, your one-stop shop for all things creepy, disgusting, and horrifying. I'm your host, Crow, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Zoe and Char. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's having a good day. Did y'all get in any scary shit recently? Did we get in any scary shit recently? Other than the road rage I experience every single road day. Rage. Oh my gosh, not the guy chasing you out of the grocery store. Do you remember that? What? Crow called me one day and she was like, Zoe, some guy was chasing me. It was like some fucking Dario Argento shit. Wait, I like vaguely remember that, but why can't I like, that's something. Same, I think. Someone chased, oh my God, what was that? When did that happen? <laughs> Hold on. So God chased. I feel like he texted me something. But I'm so upset. I'm so upset I can't remember right now. Just a day in a life of things that happens to grow on a daily basis. Chased by many people, I guess. Do you remember any other details about it? That's like crazy that I can't even Um, you called me and you mentioned you're like, hey, this guy was trying to get my attention, and then I was like, no, oh, thank you. I remember, I remember, I remember. It was outside a C- uh, Walgreens, and there was a guy who had a Bible in his hand, and I already knew it was about to, and he looked disheveled, okay? So I knew it was about to be some crazy shit. So I was like, okay, let me just go ahead and keep walking. And he was, like, yelling after me and, like, trying to follow me to my car. I was like, you need to back the fuck up, sir. You need to back the fuck up. <laughs> you need a backup or post up. People are doing a lot. Well, I always have my guard up lately, and that's something I am trying to get better about just because I feel like it's super exhausting for everyone around me if I'm just being negative all the time. But today, somebody pulled into a parking lot like super fast, and she straight up could have taken me out if she wasn't more careful. And I was kind of like being a little like shitty. I was kind of given the eyes. And then she got out her car and she looked at me and smiled. And I kind of looked away really quick. And then I looked back up and she was still looking at me and smiling. And I just smiled back. And then I felt really good. I was like, damn, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Like if something weird happens, why can't we just smile at each other and just be like, fuck it. Like, let's get rid of this tension. That's real. That's real. I always tell Thorne every time we're in public, I'm like, just because somebody is fucking staring doesn't mean they're being judgmental. Facts. You know? That's so true. They might just like what they see. You never know. Mm-hmm. Facts. They might be in awe, honestly. Hashtag be nice, everybody, please. Hashtag be nice is the hashtag for this episode. <laughs> I definitely, I never look at people. Well, no, I don't think I ever, unless you're like head to toe decked out in some like questionable like paraphernalia or whatever, I don't like, I never look at anybody to judge them. I'm always looking because I'm like, damn, that's a sick fit or like they look really cool or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I think I look away really fast and it makes people think that I'm like giving them a once over or judging them, but I'm just trying not to make eye contact. So I'm really sorry, everyone. I definitely try to like look at people and smile and just spread goodness, but isn't always returned, sadly. I do the exact same thing. So hashtag be nice. Be nice. You guys, I'm so sorry to get off topic, but you're good. Just for a second. I actually think I finally quit vaping. Am I having a good time? No. Fuck no. I am withdrawing like a motherfucker. And I feel like people don't talk about like how addictive this shit actually is. Like I'm over here sweating. You got to make yourself sick with it. Like that's the only way I feel like you're going to be able to quit. That's what I had to do. You just have to sit and vape like three vapes in one day. I believe it. <laughs> throw up. And then when you throw up and you take, what, what flavor do you vape? Blue raspberry. When you throw up that sweet, sweet blue raspberry oil at four in the morning, then you're going to be like, fuck this shit. I'm over it. <laughs> oh. I remember that story you told me. Yeah. You said the final time I knew that I wanted to quit was when <sighs> the juice got yeah. in my mouth. 
and I yeah. just dude sick that hasn't happened to me yet I used to drop my vapes all the time and then I would leave them in my hot car and shit and then they were just all fucked so like every time I would pull on it there would just be straight liquid coming through Ew. Like, yeah. so gross Oof. I'm starting to see cigarettes pop up again I'm always like oh I cool. love it cool <laughs> Honestly, oh, their cigarettes so cool. are a hell of a lot cooler. I, it's than just facts. Fucking token on a vape. It's it's facts. If you're gonna get lung cancer, dude. We were in the car the other day, and I was like, Kai, I think we should start smoking again. He was like, What is going on right now? What is happening? You need to relax. I know. Kai was like, Huh? <laughs> this is gonna sound ridiculous but those herbal cigarettes like the tea cigarettes like those are like kind of sexy and fun and they don't Ooh, like make your mouth just like those. taste like ass after and they have cbd and like floral ones too so i support yeah, that honestly for sure i think that's really cool Alrighty, guys, last time we had a little bit of an introduction where you got to know all of us a little bit better. So if you want to get to know your host, definitely check out episode one if you haven't already. We also talked about the short film Piggy by Carlotta Peretta, and we were totally blown away by that one. We're definitely going to be doing more short films in the future. This week, we are going to be talking about Living Dead Dolls. Why do I always say dead dolls? That's It's because there's dolls they used to sell at Hot Topic called Living Dead Dolls. They were so sick. Oh my gosh, I remember this. Ugh, those were my favorite. I wanted one so bad and I never got one. I still haven't gotten one to this I never day. did either. That was back when Hot Topic was still goth. When's your birthday? November 21st. Okay. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> This week, we're going to be talking about Living Dolls Weed Kill with Hammers. So personally, Living Dolls has always been something that's creeped me out, particularly as a kid. I remember what bothered me the most was those dolls that when you laid them backwards, their eyes shut. And that was something that one of the girls down the street from me had. And that was the first time I'd ever seen one. And I'll never forget it. Me just screaming and everyone laughing at me <laughs> and me running home. And so my mom discovered I was terrified of dolls and we couldn't have those dolls in the house anymore. Somebody actually, I can't remember who it was, but somebody actually got me one of those dolls and I kept it in the top of my closet and it was like behind a bunch of other shit. I refused to look at it. My mom wouldn't let me get rid of it because somebody had given it to me as a present. So it was kind of always just like this monster, an actual monster in my closet. <laughs> I actually remember one of my first nightmares as a kid was about a living doll. And it wasn't so much a doll that would be walking and talking, but it was a doll that would just move around in my house. So in my dream, I would go from one room to the next. And I think this was when I was like five or six. Like I was really young when I had this dream. But I would move from one room to the next and the doll would just be in the room each time. Like it would just be moving, but I wouldn't see it move. And it would just be closer and closer each time. And so that was one of my very first nightmares. And that stuck with me for a long time. When I was a kid, I used to write scary stories and they were obviously trash. I was a child. They were not great. One of the first scary stories that I can remember writing was about a haunted doll. And I wish, I wish I could find that story, but that would have been on one of my old computers from like way back in, I guess like when I was maybe 10, so almost 20 years ago. So that file would be lost forever. One of the first things that I had experienced that was living doll horror fiction was the Goosebumps book, Night of the Living Dummy from 1993. 
that was the book that had the dummy Slappy on the cover. And even to this day, the picture is kind of creepy. It's just the doll like making this crazy face at you. Yeah. Basically, what happens in that book is it's two sisters and they're twins. And one of the twins finds a dummy in the trash. And she becomes like a really good ventriloquist, which is such a random ass plot for a book, for a children's book. So the other twin becomes jealous and she wants a doll of her own. So she gets the doll. Long story short, her doll, the second doll, comes to life and just starts sabotaging everything and starts threatening that the girls are going to become his slaves. I guess because you can't say that you're going to kill someone in a Goosebumps book because it is a children's book. And eventually he ends up getting steamrolled at a construction site. And when the girls return home, the first dummy is alive too. And that's how it ends, which is classic Goosebumps. It's actually available online if you just Google it. And there's like a PDF of the entire book. It's super quick read and it's kind of entertaining. So if you want to go back and read that, it's really not hard to find. The next piece of Living Doll Horror that I would have been exposed to was the Twilight Zone episode, Living Doll. It's still one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. It's about this family. It's a mother, a daughter, and a stepfather. And the stepfather basically treats the daughter like shit. The daughter and mom come home from a shopping trip one day, and the daughter has a new doll, Taki Tina. And this doll has pre-recorded messages, but we only hear her say to the little girl, hi, something like, hi, I'm Taki Tina, and I love you, stuff like that, like just classic things that a doll would say. Um, But... The doll sees how the father treats the daughter like shit and she starts saying her own messages to him that are like, I'm Taki Tina and I hate you or I'm going to kill you, shit like that. It's actually really creepy. Um, Yeah, it's actually super, super creepy, but it becomes revealed that the father, the stepfather, sorry, hates the daughter so much because he's unable to have children of his own. So throughout the episode, he's trying to destroy the doll and he's just unable to do so. So he tries to like use a... Oh my God. I don't know what power tools are called, but the circle, circular saw or whatever. So he tries to use one of those to cut the doll's head off. I don't know. (laughs) We're going to get flamed so hard for this, but one of those like electrical circular saws to cut the head off and it like won't even scratch the doll. He tries to hit it with a blowtorch, but the blowtorch keeps shutting off every time it gets close to the doll. Eventually the dad trips over the doll walking down the stairs and I guess like breaks his neck or something and dies. It just shows him like his eyes just like shut after a dramatic struggle. So we assume that, I don't know, he hit his head in the wrong way or he like broke his neck or something. And then it's another one of those things we actually talked about in our practice episode that's not being posted we talked about the kind of Edgar Allan Poe theme of is did this really happen or is this all Mm -hmm. just a physical portrayal of someone's guilt then another movie which is one of my favorites for no good reason because it is extremely corny is Dolls from 1987 this is another one of the movies in which the dolls only killed for the sake of the master or the owner basically what happens in that movie is just such a typical 80s plot a small family and two punks from England show up to this kind of mansion in the middle of nowhere after they have car trouble on the road just outside of the house. The parents are pretty terrible to the daughter and I kind of feel that this is a Twilight Zone reference because it's the dad and it's not a stepdad but it's a stepmom this time and they both just treat the daughter really terrible and they meet their maker at the hands of the dolls and I do really feel that this is paying homage to the Twilight Zone episode The Living Doll. This is where we see like the wise old doll 
doll maker and then his witch wife who's able to, I guess, reanimate the dolls that he creates and also turn human beings into dolls. And Mm. I kind of like the idea of dolls will spare you if you are a child or a child at heart or if you're like a super old person. And it kind of makes you wonder why the old person. Is it because of this return to childlike wonder when you start to get older? Or is it maybe because, especially around the 80s, more electronic toys were starting to be created, more video games, things like that. Maybe children weren't playing with dolls as much. So you kind of associate dolls with older people because that Mm -hmm. was a popular toy for people of their age. They didn't have Ataris, you know, if we're talking 80s, they didn't have um, light brights, shit like that. They just had dolls. One of my absolute personal favorite movies of all time is Child's Play 1988. That is probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular living doll movies. That obviously is about Chucky the doll. In that movie, what happens is a low-income single mother named Karen buys a really popular doll, the good guy doll, for her son Andy. This particular specific doll that she purchases was possessed by a serial killer, Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky, which if you didn't know, so Somehow Chucky is short for Charles and it's not much shorter than the name Charles, but it is. It's like a nickname for whatever reason. That's something I didn't learn until like a few years ago. I had a friend that used to call me Chuck. So there's that, I guess. Oh, that's (laughs) funny. (laughs) I want to start calling you Chuck. Can we call you that, please? I'm obsessed. Yes. Oh, Chuck. But anyway, so, oh, Chuck. (laughs) So he possesses the body of the good guy doll using black magic, which is very convenient, um, before his death um, in which he gets gunned down by police. So Andy, the child, starts realizing that Chucky is an evil doll whenever – well, he doesn't – I don't remember. Does he call him Chucky? He does call him Chucky, doesn't he? Because Chucky tells him his name. Right, right, right. Yeah, he does because I remember being like, Chucky. Well, anyway – so Chucky kills his babysitter, and that's when he realizes that uh, Chucky's evil. No one else is around at the time of the babysitter's death, so he is the main suspect, and he's like a child, like pint-sized, 10 pounds maybe. And he tells everybody that it was the doll's fault, and no one believes him, so he is institutionalized. It's actually a really cool scene. The mom discovers that Chucky is possessed when she goes back into the box he comes in, and she finds his batteries and realizes how was he like moving around and talking this whole time. He doesn't even have batteries. And Chucky tries to take Andy's body because... He is slowly turning human and he doesn't want to be human stuck in like this weird doll body. And eventually he ends up being killed because the only part of him that had turned human was his heart and they stab him in his heart and he dies. But obviously there are sequels to the movie. So, you know, it isn't forever. And the sequels are great, by the way. Highly recommend. Mm -hmm. It's a hugely different tone from the original movie. Like it almost doesn't even feel like the same franchise because it's a lot more almost like comedic, right? I would say it's definitely comedic compared to the first one. The first one is just a serious horror movie. And then, of course, we love Jennifer Tilly. Um, And then in 1989, just a year after, we get Puppet Master. So within the past, that was like a three-year span of dolls, child play, and Puppet Master. So quite the time for living doll movies or living puppet doll, you know, small character movies. And I like this one because it was a change from the child and doll dynamic. It was just puppets and creatures. But we have a return of the old puppet maker. And so it's another one of those things that makes you think, oh, old people being, not old people, but elderly people being associated with puppets and marionettes and things like that. So this one is about uh, four sidekicks 
are trying to figure out what happened to their friend Neil Gallagher, who was studying reanimation. Basically, these puppets attack them in order to keep the secret of their animation a secret. Um, And I like this one because I find that the puppets have a little bit more personality than the other ones. The other ones were just kind of like evil or not evil. And this one, each puppet is remarkably different. They have a different purpose. And you even see from their point of view quite a bit. A lot of the movie is from the puppet's point of view. Another thing that I just wanted to mention, I'm not going to touch on it too heavily, but I already talked about how much I love Giallo. One of my favorite movies is Dario Argento's Deep Red. And there is one scene in which there is a doll on a tricycle and it's really, really freaky. And the doll isn't alive. It was just, I guess, like wound up by the killer in the movie. A haunting scene in which the doll is just riding the tricycle toward one of the victims. And actually, if you didn't know, that doll inspired the Saw doll. Yeah. So that actually, I think, is a really, really cool. It is a direct reference from that. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah, it's one of those things that's like several decades after, but still so meaningful Mm -hmm. to creators and directors. The movie that I'm going to touch on is Dead Silence. Now, being a child, I have never really been scared of dolls, actually. It was never in my agenda. I definitely understand like why people are terrified of dolls. Dead Silence was actually created in 2007, and it was written and produced by one of my favorite directors, James Wan. Was it James Wan? Isn't that surprising? Oh my God. I don't even know that. I didn't know that either. That explains a lot. That movie is a lot. (laughs) And like I told Crow in the Discord chat, I'm not going to say your name because I'm going to absolutely butcher it, but the lead singer for Concrete Blonde. Jeanette Napolitano. Yes. I love her. Thank you, Queen. But she actually (laughs) sings a song. Um, In the beginning, whenever she turns on the radio and the song is playing, that's Concrete Blonde. Which song is it? I can't remember. Who's Holding You Now? And you can look it up on YouTube. It's only about two minutes. Okay. The song should have been longer, in my opinion. Right. Dead Silence, it follows a very young widower, like, investigating the mysterious death of his wife. He's trying to figure out, like, how did this happen? We had a doll just end up on our doorstep, which leads him back to his hometown. And the doll is a haunting urban legend in their town. When I was younger, I thought it was so scary. (laughs) And I do remember even whenever I would, like, go to bed at night, I would just, like, not make a single sound because I would just imagine, oh, what if they're, like, listening for me? Like, what if I make a peep? Like, I'm going to get my – what do they, like, rip your tongue out or something? I can't remember. I feel like Dead Silence is a hidden gem in, like, the horror genre. Brian Quanton, who actually played the lead character, Jamie, I personally think he did an amazing job portraying a man, like, consumed by grief and fear. Mm -hmm. That was his thing. Like, he was just naturally a very scared person. The supporting cast also brought their A-game, in my opinion, adding depth to the story. Donnie Wahlberg's Detective Lipton provided some moments of levity amidst the horror. This movie was just an absolute hidden gem. But going into it, they receive a doll on their doorstep, and the woman in the film... She receives a doll on her doorstep and she's wondering, she's like, who did this come from? And what she didn't know is there is actually an old urban legend in their town. 
that if you receive this doll, you are cursed. You are bleep fucked. Bleep fucked. (laughs) She honestly really loved the doll on a personal level because her and her husband, they weren't able to have kids. Mm -hmm. Receiving this doll, it felt almost as though a gift to her. And honestly, I found that completely beautiful. In a more horror sense, I found the storyline really intriguing. It blended elements of urban legends and ghost stories. But in the movie, they're trying to find the truth behind Mary Shaw. And Mary Shaw was part of the urban legend. When I was little and I heard that urban legend, it was just kind of scary, in my opinion. Like, watching that as a child. Right. The film also had some unexpected twists that kept me engaged. It kind of had like an old school horror vibe, in my opinion. Right. I definitely think that it does pay homage to like a lot of those older films that we talked about, especially like ones in particular that had to do with like the ventriloquist dummies and not just dolls mm-hmm. themselves, which I think that this one reminds me a lot of those movies from the the 20s and 40s that had to do with like the, the ventriloquist guy constantly like fighting or being at odds with his puppet. It kind of like reminds me of that particular kind of evil dummy rather than like a Chucky doll or something like that. Mm-hmm. The execution of the story was well-paced it really built some kind of suspense and uncovering secrets like just at the right moments where it creates like elements of like mystery and horror it's definitely one of those movies like like whenever I whenever this movie came out I was in junior high I think so I would have been yeah I was definitely in junior high and it was one of those movies where like I went to a Catholic school and so there were certain movies that got talked about a little bit more than others there were certain ones that just went under the radar just because we didn't have access to them within the like group of people that we were surrounded by. But this one was so popular that it was like, okay, did you see that trailer for this movie that cuts your tongue out? Like whenever you like make a sound shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, or no, it wasn't when you make a sound. It was when you scream, if you scream, they would cut your tongue out. That's what I remember. And so I, for years, like refused to scream and I trained myself to not get startled too easily because I was always convinced that like something terrible would happen to me or I'd lose my tongue if I did scream. So I remember that. I like the idea of making people feel like you can't have this natural reaction that we want to have to being terrified. Like, how do you mm-hmm. tell yourself not to blink when someone blows in your face? You know, like, how do you tell yourself not to scream when you're terrified kind of thing? And that's crazy. I was going to touch on that. I also appreciated the well-executed jump scares that genuinely caught me off guard. I like a good jump scare that just catches me when I'm least expecting it. Right. I like a well-placed jump scare for sure. I'm not crazy about all of them, but I do like one that's used well. Yeah, that that movie definitely kept me on my feet. I remember watching it when I was very little. And that movie is just something that... I watch till this day. It's just, a, a like Char was saying earlier, a safety blanket for me. I think that's why I wanted to cover it so much. I have some attachment towards it. Have you guys ever seen a ventriloquist doll before? I actually really love the concept, honestly. In person? I would love to, yeah. No, actually. I don't think I have. Same. <gasps> well, I had a friend that could kind of do the ventriloquism thing. They, they could make their voice sound like it was far away, and that was pretty Stop. cool to witness. That's crazy. But, I always wanted to learn. I never knew if that was just like something that if it's just a term, for example, but I guess people really do actually like they call it throwing your voice or whatever. 
I've never seen anybody do it before. I'd actually like, well, okay, I say I'd like to see like a ventriloquist show, but I'm thinking of like, what's that guy? What's that dude, one dude that like comedian that popular? Was it like Dane Cook or something? Oh, Jeff Dunham. Uh, wait, is it Jeff Dunham? What the fuck? Who is Dane Cook? Yeah, <laughs> he's a different person, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like the. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Dane Cook looks exact. Does he not? Let me look him up. Do they not look exactly alike or something? Is that why am I getting them mixed up? No, they don't. Actually, they do kind of look alike. Um, Jeff Dunham. If I was at a Jeff Dunham show, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm sure that he's great at what he does, but it just doesn't seem like my kind of thing. That's all. It's not my thing either. It's okay. Y'all can hate on me too. Well, to be fair, to be totally fair, I'm not like a huge comedy person in general. Uh, speaking of, I know that y'all have been watching that. Uh, I think you should leave uh, season three. I'm going to have to watch it. Absolutely phenomenal. That's different though. That's definitely Let me go different. tune in. Yeah, it's really good. It's on Netflix. You guys, what is something that terrifies you about ventriloquist dolls i think as a kid it's just like seeing like it's just the idea of a doll but its mouth is actually moving it's just that like uncanny valley thing where something looks human but it's Mm. not i think that's what makes us uncomfortable it's a lot of things like that so that's why that i feel what is it i feel amazing video or something like that like went so viral it was that mannequin that's just like dancing and singing it was just so stupid honestly in my opinion oh yeah yeah i remember yeah i know that for like some people that's scarier than others for me it doesn't bother me as much anymore as it did when i was a kid as a kid shit like like the uncanny valley shit really really scared the shit out of me now it actually doesn't bother me too, too much I like have dolls everywhere all the time. I make dolls sometimes even. So <laughs> although yes. I will admit sometimes she looks me in the eye just right and it kind of freaks me out. So oh. the one I have sitting on my shelf. You definitely have to share pictures of your doll that you made. Definitely. For sure. I never made clothes for her yet. I think there's something inherently creepy about dolls. Dead silence, for example, it really tapped into that fear. The scenes where they moved on their own were particularly chilling it's just the wide smiles and the glassy eyes it just it sends shivers down my spine the dolls themselves are definitely creepy i would even go so far as to say like all those type of like puppets like look kind of alike but i would say that that main doll that like slappy-esque doll that's on the poster i would say that he kind of almost has that annabelle-esque makeup a little bit like with the blush and then the deep set eyes the like crazy eyebrows and stuff Mm -hmm. they do look kind of similar i forgot that that was james wan so no when i saw that i was shocked i was like no way and watch some of his older movies too Mm-hmm. He's got quite the expensive um, filmography for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For my movie, I watched the movie Megan, which came out in 2022. It's definitely another one of the living doll type movies, although this one has more of a modern tech spin on it, which I thought was really relevant and really well done. And actually, it's funny you guys mentioned James Wan because he wrote the story and produced I was about to say movie, so stop <laughs> if I'm you were not gonna say joking. that he directed it I would almost shit my no. you're on a James Wan kick dude right? I guess he's very into doll movies he kind of mentioned how he did the movie because he was also involved in the movie Annabelle in 2014 and he mentioned how this was kind of the same concept however it really was supposed to be more about tech and how tech kind of interferes with our lives and kind of gets mixed up and everything so for the people who haven't seen the movie basic plot is you have a family that gets into a wreck pretty early on in the movie. They have a young daughter, Katie, who has this Webkins type toy that she plays with, but really she's more playing with the iPad and the doll is just kind of there and like pooping for whatever reason. Like that's part of its charm, I guess. You can feed it little food through the app and then it just like poops. But 
yeah, the commercial reminded me so much of like the old commercials for toys that we used to watch when we were younger that were like the zany voices and the corny kids and like everything's just so fun and great. But, you know, the toys don't really live up to the hype. Katie's parents are actually related to Gemma, our other main character, who is a doll designer. And she's kind of working on this very advanced Model 3 generative Android or Megan, as she calls it. And Megan is pretty much a living child, essentially. She talks, she learns, she's meant to be sort of a teacher and close friend to whatever child she pairs with, who, of course, she ends up pairing with Katie because Gemma, this is kind of all over the place, but Gemma takes custody of Katie post-wreck because unfortunately her parents, spoiler alert, do not survive the wreck. And so the movie kind of goes into Katie and Megan's relationship. And as you can probably imagine, it gets a little crazy. Robots, as much as they're able to learn and take instruction, they can also take it to a level that we can't really predict. And I thought it was a great time for me to watch this movie because I kind of have the same feelings about like all the AI stuff coming out right now. Like we don't know how much machines can really learn and how much that they can really absorb and understand at a faster rate than human beings can. So Megan is a great example of what could happen if things go wrong. She ends up attacking the neighbor, attacking the neighbor's dog, attacking a little boy who was bullying Katie at a camp that they go to and just kind of going off the rails. And meanwhile, Gemma is only... She spends most of the movie kind of not realizing how much Megan is doing behind the scenes and how crazy she is. And yeah. also not realizing on her own aspect that you can't just take custody of a child and then ignore them. Essentially, she's very much like a career woman working on her toy, working on her presentation. She shows her boss, Megan, and of course, he loves it. He's like, yes, we have to get this everywhere. We have to pitch this. We're going to make so much money. And meanwhile, Katie is still grieving from her parents that passed away and really needs someone to look out for her, like a human being that she can kind of model herself after and learn how to grieve. And unfortunately, Gemma's not really doing that for most of the movie. And at one point, actually, Megan basically calls her out. I thought that was both hilarious and kind of sad. Calls out the guardian, Gemma? Yes, yes. Megan basically tells her, like, I don't think you're meant to be a mother. You're not really that girl. You're more of like the career woman type thing. And I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to like Megan at this point. She's already killed a bunch of people, but she's not wrong. She is not wrong. All of the human adults in Katie's life pretty much just hand her an iPad or a toy and have her be distracted and don't really interact with her and her feelings while, of course, Megan does. But at the same time, Megan is a killer robot. So in the end, they have this big kind of confrontation and Megan does not win, unfortunately, but um, it does kind of bring Gemma and Katie closer together. Overall, I thought the movie was really well done. I think that it was fine without being too hokey or cheesy or anything like that. Definitely a lot of investment in the special effects and in the technology. Obviously, Megan wasn't real, but they did get some really good animatronic puppets to use to kind of do the voice motions and doing like the dialogue scenes that she has. And they also, the actress and the actors are really great in the movie as well. They all kind of portray their roles really well. Katie is like any other eight-year-old who just lost their parents, just kind of lashing out at the world and trying to figure things out and find someone to care about her. There's a scene, she has a therapist in the, I mean, I don't know how much I should spoil or not spoil since maybe just came out a year ago. I was about to say, maybe just err on the side of caution, not to like, don't feel like you can't talk about anything, but like, don't like, if there's some giant plot twist, maybe don't mention that. Okay. It's not so much a giant plot twist, but there's just scenes where Katie just definitely like lashes out completely. And she's almost as violent as Megan at some points. And you kind of realize that these are both dramatized children who need adults to care for them and actually like respect them as human beings. And well, one human being. 
and they're just not really doing that. I think it was just really well done. I feel like personally, I was never really crazy about doll movies. One, I was never that scared of dolls. Growing up, my mom was like, you're getting all of it. You're getting the Barbies, you're getting the Polly Pockets, you're getting dolls on dolls. I had an American Girl doll, actually. That was like <laughs> next level. I did get an American Girl doll when I was younger, and that's because they had one at a Goodwill that I found. And I was so fucking stoked. I don't know what happened to her. Was it Ginger? Was she a redhead? Because mine was, actually. Um, She was like some country girl or something like. Same. No, her whole story. Oh, my God. I can't remember her name. But her whole story was like. She was like 1800s or something. She had like the crazy big like Anne of Green Gables type dress and shit like that in her yes, book. Yes. But her whole thing was that she was like a tomboy, but like she wasn't supposed to be because oh, it was nice. like, oh, you're supposed to be a lady. Oh my God. Loved I think it. I remember Loved that it. story. Yeah. I read the, the little stories too. Yeah. I think I've heard. Wait, this was a movie, right? The American Girl Dolls. It was like a franchise, really. They had movies, yeah. books, and like. Mm -hmm. They had a little bit of everything. So for me, I really, I think it's the faces for me that are so scary about dolls, like just having the little eyes and the little mouth just looking at me. I'm like, mm, I don't like this. I always turn my right. doll around in my room because I didn't want her to be looking at me while I'm sleeping or hanging out. Shit. I'm watching you. I think that all of these doll movies, the ones that you guys watched kind of talked about trying to keep your youth and staying young at heart. This one definitely skewed more towards like humanity and empathy and not letting like tech kind of interfere with family bonds and also not trying right. to replace real emotions with distractions and I think that's a really good message to send out especially with this kind of movie and kind of in a way it's almost like bridging like the idea of like the iPad kid and like the idea of like the child yes. with a doll so it's like here's this thing that is supposed to oh look it's a toy that kids are supposed to play with but it's also like okay this is just a combination of both of those things so yeah. it's like is it you know any better it's no not obviously creative. not because it's just a machine exactly yeah I think that is like what's so cool and sets dolls apart is like as a child like you really just have to create everything in your mind i can't even imagine like For having sure. such a overreactive imagination like i did when i was younger yeah i wonder like we did not have anything growing up not to say like we as in me personally but just to say like our generation of like latchy right. latchkey kids we were kind of just playing with sticks playing on train tracks or you know make believe right. whatever we were riding our bikes and shit mm -hmm. dude oh i loved riding my bike oh dude that shit was fun mm -hmm. yeah for and sure. then the other thing is like the thing that's funny is the scary thing about dolls is the personality that we give them it's this idea or not necessarily as adults not me anyway but as children we create we spend so much time with these things and then we create this personality for them in our brains and then we create a personality within the construct of our own minds that's like bad which is like really upsetting <laughs> but it's like how did we like you made like what is it my brother in christ you made the sandwich. Yes. <laughs> how, yes, do you, yes. how do you hate someone? Yes. You made the sandwich. But it's like, we're so terrified of these dolls that have these personalities that we've created for them in our minds, you know? Yeah. So really, maybe what's so terrifying about them is like really a reflection of the things about ourselves that we don't like. I believe it. I think dolls kind of speak to our control of illusion. Like we think, oh, this is our, this is our friend. This is our baby. We're going to make them do all these things. But then we assign them their own personality and they kind of take on their own life, even though it's still obviously us. And we realize that you have this being in your life or in your house that you can't control anymore. And mm -hmm. that's terrifying. That's not something that we love, especially whether you're a kid or an adult, honestly. 
Yeah. Some of these movies, I think, were not necessarily well-received initially. Like, I know that for Megan, I personally was not looking forward to the movie, actually. I thought it was going to be super corny and, like, not good. Yeah, I would say that it's definitely, like, it was controversial. Like, a lot of, for yeah. whatever reason, was controversial. And I kind of saw the same thing. I mean, not to, like, shit on Dead Silence at all. I saw that people didn't receive it very well at first when it for came sure. out. People yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. like, were weird about it. So maybe people in general... I think a lot of people, like I said in my last episode, expect horror to be really scary and really gory and crazy. And when it's not, they're like, oh, this is just blah. But there's a story to be told beneath the horror for sure. I'm not even going to be that person, but I refuse to have a conversation with somebody that's like, there wasn't uh, exactly uh, 3.7 liters of blood in that movie show. I'm like, (laughs) shut the fuck up, okay? There is so many different ways to do things like this there's so many different ways to do horror and i think that what is so special about horror is that i mean okay i love a shitty campy movie but one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things about horror movies is that it's meant to be so subversive so a lot of the time we get this greater deeper hidden meaning or message from movies that isn't immediately obvious and not to be like an asshole or whatever but maybe the reason people like this don't enjoy these movies is because they don't have the depth or intelligence to be able to comprehend those (laughs) not to be a dick or sound like an elitist or whatever but like just because you didn't understand something doesn't mean that it's not good for sure basically right just like reading over the wikipedia for megan and they mentioned that apparently she was perceived as like a or seen as a gay queer icon at one point so it is pride month just wanted to put that out there It just clicked in my head. Okay, Saw is James Wan too. And he's got the doll. This is the doll guy. The first one? Well, I mean, I don't know. I've only seen the first three, but... So he did the Saw movies and the Conjuring universe. Insidious, of course. And he did some movies in the Fast and Furious universe as well. (laughs) He did. Action Man. And he has his own um, production company as well. And he's Malaysian. Very cool. Oh, that's true. That's what Kai told me. Demonic, I've seen Demonic, but I can't remember what that one was about. Demonic, was that the one where they went to, like, Hollywood? Oh, it, it says, a police officer and a psychologist investigate the deaths of five people who are killed while trying to summon ghosts. They doing shit they shouldn't be doing, bruh. <laughs> yeah, they better. Oh, and he did the new Mortal Kombat. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot of work. Oh, we're gonna have to do an episode on him, but he's done a lot of movies I've noticed that have to do with, like, childhood. Because he did Lights Out also, which, if you've seen Lights Out, like, that's a very Love childlike that. movie. But anyway... Let's save that. Let's talk about that for a James Wan episode. I think that would be a good idea. Alrighty, guys. So we just talked a little bit about some of our favorite living dolls in horror movies. Of course, we can only cover so much in a 40-something minute podcast. There is so, so much more to check out, and I highly recommend that you look into it. Let us know what your favorite living doll from a horror movie is. We want to know. Alrighty, guys, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, make sure to check behind your shower curtain. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Make sure to join us, three horror enthusiasts, and let us know what y'all's scary movie is pertaining to dolls. (laughs) Is there a story, film, or topic you want us to discuss in an upcoming episode? Email your suggestions to terrortakeoverpod at gmail.com. Intro music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio.